and welcome to the fifth episode of Base Cafe with Holly and Dean. I'm Woo! Holly. And that's Dean. <laughs> that's Holly. I'm Dean. <laughs> and today we're going to be talking about gear. Uh, we're going to start out with what we had as our first gear and, and um, what it's got, what, what we have today and our path to get there. And uh, we have a really special guest. Why don't you tell us about your special guest? Yeah, today's guest is Hoogie from WB Gear. Um, he is the base tech for Shinedown. Uh, when I first met him, he was working for Lamb of God. Uh, but he's been the liaison between me and so many other musicians for a bunch of companies such as SIT Strings, Intune Guitar Picks, Rev Amps, um, Big Ben's Nut Sauce. <laughs> that's my it's my favorite company that hey, that uh, we get an endorsement. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta have your nut sauce. Um, <laughs> makes a difference. <laughs> um, but yeah, and so I got to sit down with him and talk about uh, a couple of different things, being a bass tech um, and all of that. And we decided to expand upon a little bit more since he's like a gear liaison as well. Uh, him and I got to talk a little bit about sponsorships. And that's some of what Holly and I are going to jump into also. Um, yeah, like what you need versus what you want, because we all want everything. But what do you actually really need in sponsorships? Right. Where's the nexus point where the needs and the wants line up? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um yeah, so let's talk about our first gear. What did you have? What was your first? Uh, first base. Yeah. Was I still have it? Um, one of my students has it right now. Actually, I lent it to one of my students. Cool. Um, to use it for like you know, uh, writing songs and stuff. Um, it was an Ibanez. Well, actually, no. My very first bass, my dad got me a couple weeks after um, he got me my first guitar. He got it at a swap meet, and it was $35, and it was a Sammy three-quarter bass. I still have it. It's in my son's room, um, and it, it was a three-quarter bass, and it was so cool because it wasn't huge. And I was like, I was 13, right? But I was just like trying to get used to playing a guitar, and the three-quarter bass was exactly the same as like my guitar so it was just like literally i was able to conceptualize right away oh these are basically the same thing but a little bit different because yeah. they were exactly the same yeah yeah and uh my first guitar amp was a bass amp or like a lot i think one yeah one maybe i don't know a lot of my guitar amps over the years were bass amps that i always wound up using um with pedals and stuff like that Which but is it was that super uncommon some people do that yeah and i so i played that sammy for a really 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 long time and then i eventually bought my first bass which was a like a, a an ibanez sound gear four string it was red and i painted the fretboard like peter Steele from typo negative but kind of like his carnivore thing where instead of it was all green stripes it was all red stripes and i put uh silver and black duct tape all over it and it kind of looks like uh like an eddie van halen frankenstein thing interesting <laughs> yeah yeah and that was that was my uh 
my first bass, and I played that for a very, very, very long time. It had a PJ pickup combo. The Sammy had a P bass uh, pickup, and the Ibanez had the PJ pickup combo. And that's might be why I love it, but I, that's is my absolutely favorite um, pickup combination is the PJ yeah. for bass. It's just both pickups all the way up. Your selector dead center, <laughs> both pickups like it's my fave. That's great. And what did you play through? Um, I had had, I always had like you know, uh, like little practice amps and stuff. I had, I had like these no name amps in the beginning. I know one of them was a Park, which was Park was Steve, uh, sorry Jim Marshall's wife's maiden name. Right. So like the their Epiphone version of amps were called Parks. I had those. And then I had customs. Mm-hmm. I was given a custom combo amp mm-hmm. and a, a custom head. Um, And I oh, my God. It just brought me back. I had a crate head. Oh, man, I'm trying to remember the model. I did. I still have the. <laughs> I have a bass head that it has like a little EQ on it. I got it from one of my friends. I use it as my first guitar head forever. I forgot about that. I, I've it's since was been it ripped com- apart. A combo or it was just a head? It, it was a it was just a head. It was just a head. Yeah. And I would like borrow cabinets, little... you know, to yeah, to but... use sometimes. But it had like the the graphic EQ on it. I love that. Yeah. yeah. I'm trying to remember that model. I wound up. <laughs> I can't remember because i covered up when i try and like go back to a memory for a visual image right mm-hmm. i covered up the model with a dragula like trading yeah. card so when i'm like trying to think of like how the amp looks all i see right there is dragula you know dragula. Yeah. Dragula. yeah 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 oh. uh yeah but that was that was my main gear for a long time and that stuff when it switched between guitar and bass because but like I did have my first bass really early on, so it was like these two sides of my um, musicianship—they've always been intertwined. And there's very many times when I play bass, I use guitar things, and sometimes when I do guitar things, I use bass things. Like I'm—I've always been—I've always gone both ways, baby. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, a lot what, of amps that do that. Yeah, it's you know it's when a guitar player also gets a bass real early on that's it's a real easy transition to be a dual musician mm-hmm. versus like not getting one later on or like or only playing guitar like you know when someone only plays guitar it might be harder for them to grasp bass but a lot of us you know we we get we get both of those right off the bat baby yeah um what about you what uh, what was your first bass well, my first bass um, was borrowed from my guitar player because- Oh, wait, played. how old were you? How old were you? I was I was 27 when I started playing bass. All right, all right. Vicious yeah. 27. Yeah, um, which is crazy because my drummer in Zepparella, she was 27 when she started playing drums. It's funny, cool. I, I started playing, <laughs> I started playing when I was 13 yeah. And a lot of the members of a lot of the bands that I've been in, yeah, um, they've all also started at thirteen. 
Right. So I started playing guitar at 13, but right. as we've talked about before, I just didn't, it didn't, I, I didn't, right. It. Right. I didn't get it. And so later on when I decided I really wanted to be in a band, you know, 14 years later, <laughs> I, uh, I just, I said, okay, I'll play bass. I just took the job, you know, and I didn't know how to play bass. I didn't know. I knew the names of the strings. I didn't know anything about it, but the bass that I practiced on at home, I think was, might've been an Ibanez or something. Um, it was just a borrowed bass, but the one that I played um, and eventually got after my like second or third uh, um, rehearsal uh, was a Dean Razorback. And I had a Dean Flying V. And All right, so you had some some dime bag bases. All yeah, right, some dime bag bases. I'm, I'm from Dallas, so right, right, we, right. <laughs> what we do, and it's a kind of metal-ish band, you know, kind of hardcore rock metal band. So, uh, yeah, and I I played with my fingers. I didn't play with a pick. Um, I didn't know anything really about the tone. I just knew that I needed to cut through. So I think I just had everything up as far as it would go. Um, the the what I played through, I actually still have um, on, on some of the other videos, you can see the um, the Edens, the mm -hmm. double stack, but I only played through one. And I had a, um, I don't know what wattage it was, but it was a, it was also borrowed, was um, before I got my hard key that I have now, um, uh, an Ampeg, I don't know what it was. It was just like a- I'm a huge Ampeg fanatic. Yeah. I have a SVT a, yeah. 2 Pro right there. Yeah, it probably was that. I don't know. I really don't even remember. I have. Uh, I, I have didn't so even know how to firsts. hook it up most of the time. Like my like, we got to our first few gigs and they had to hook it up for me. You know. <laughs> right. Right. But eventually, I learned. Eventually, I figured it out. <laughs> um. So you. You basically had. You didn't. Did you have like a, a practice rig like right away, or did you have a practice amp right away, um, or did yeah. you have like just a play live rig right away where i was living at the time uh i lived with a uh, music collector <laughs> uh so a music instrument collector so i got to play uh their instruments and their bass rig at home uh but i really didn't play i didn't really hook anything up when i was playing at home i just I would listen to the tracks that we had. Um, and you know how you were talking about how Nita would do like five times. She makes sure she does the same thing five times. Yep. I would, at this point I was trying to do 10. I was really drilling in it. Cause I was brand new, you know, I didn't know anything. So I would, I would listen to the track 10 times. I would play it through 10 times. And then I would listen to it again, 10 times. And I would do that with every single, I, I spent like six hours a day practicing like that and, well so you learned because you were getting ready to go right on on stage yeah six weeks i had six weeks to learn how to play bass and play 10 songs and try to get some kind of uh stage presence in there and i really didn't have much so right. i just uh i dressed up in a costume <laughs> while you were practicing the robert palmer girl thing you know <laughs> um did you did you so you were always practicing the live show basically out the gate then? Well, I didn't start doing that until my second band. I didn't realize how important that was, but I really couldn't understand. Am I, well, I'm sorry, how long no, after that true. was your second that's not band? That's not true. That's not true. The first year, I think, or the first six months at least, I wasn't trying to move around. 
I was just trying to get the music right. And then my guitar player, he was kind of a stickler for stage presence. Um, so he would he would even yell at me on stage. So stupid. <laughs> who was uh, who was your like your favorite kind of band at the time? At the time, uh, like your your favorite like, listening band at the time, uh, Clutch. Like I listened to Clutch, right. like I was listening to Clutch constantly. Um, and what kind of music was this band versus Clutch? Uh, very different. <laughs> right. I mean, it was still heavy, but it was very, very, very different. I wasn't writing any of this music, you know. It was just, it was. Uh, um, well, so we had a uh, Nikki McKibben from American Idol, and she's got this gorgeous voice and then the guitar player was a bass player and he turned guitar player so he was still learning guitar and i was learning bass so you can imagine you should have just learned guitar and then it would have been half the or played the I know, guitar right? and half the battle <laughs> no that's but cool I, that's I cool yeah see i i always felt like i didn't start early enough and there you are starting twice as late yeah and then i caught it i caught on twice as quickly i think because i really wanted well because you worked at it yeah, right. I worked at it. At 13, I just thought it's too hard. I don't want to do it, which is funny because I still go through the same motions when I'm sitting down to learn a piece of music. I still go through this whole like, oh, God, I have to fucking learn this, you know, sorry. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, uh, like, I, it never stops. So, it, yeah, so it was a job for you, though, right off the bat. So, so many people, when they start off, right, usually it's if they're older, not later on. Later yeah. on, it was fine. But before, it was more of a job. Like, it was more like, I don't, you know, I, I just don't get it, you know. Right, right. Yeah. So for me, it was just like, I was like this isolated teen. And yeah. just my whole life, I've had, this is just the heads, all right? <laughs> but most of my life, I've had all of the heads and all of the cabinets, <laughs> like yeah. everything all around me, all of the guitar, like everything's I've always had like a lot of gear mm -hmm. and I've always had it all around me. Um, but I've just because of that, I always experimented with stuff and it was always it was always a very personal journey for me where you it was still a personal journey, but it was like an instant task <laughs> where like, I, I don't know, I was just fucking make, <laughs> I was just making it up along the way. Yeah. Yeah, my journey was really slow because I would take really like long extended breaks in between trying to sit down and learn music. And right before I got this first bass job, um, I was learning, I was trying to relearn guitar, but, and I was teaching myself, I have this book, um, everything about the blues and rock and roll. And I was just going through it and um, I had a friend that was a really awesome guitar player. I ended up playing with him later on, uh, but he gave me a gig after I got better. Um, and he was teaching me some stuff, you know, but it's still just, I, I knew I wanted to do it. Um, and then I got a Mac, uh, and you know, Mac has garage band. So right. he also taught me how to do some loops and stuff in garage band. And I made 17 songs my first month in garage band. It was just so, it was a great creative outlet for me. Right. And so I showed this guy who was needing a bass player and he's like, oh, you can sing. Do you want to play bass? And I'm like, yeah. And, and he happened to see me pick up a bass a couple of times. The only times that I ever picked up a bass and played uh, was he was there and he had always had it in the back of his mind that maybe I could play bass for him. And um, he came in and I was doing his hair and I let him listen to the music. And he's like, I want you to play bass for me. 
And so I was like, okay. And he's like, we've got a show in six weeks. And I just said, okay. <laughs> Word. Yeah. See, um, I, I started playing kind of like basic alongside. Right. But then I had my own, I always built my, I built my own studio. I always had like a little setup. Right. <clears throat> and with that, I, started getting more into bass because I needed to, to make my own demos. Mm -hmm. So like, again, my, my journey was so slow and personal in the beginning. Um, and then I had to upgrade to a five string because I had upgraded my guitar playing to a seven string. Right. And it just made life easier for me to have the five string to go right alongside again just as my very first bass was a three quarter bass and it was like, like a perfect guitar, like the fret spacing was all the same, everything. Right. Mm -hmm. um, same deal. And I went to the seven string, then I went to a five string and I did that. And actually at the time, I think before I even got a five, I think I bought a six string because like I did like a trade and this guy just had that. And mm -hmm. so it was like almost the same exact guitar. It was like the, the bass was missing one string. Otherwise it was okay. like two of the same. Right. Um, and that, that pushed me in that direction. Um, but you stayed at four string always, right? Yeah. I didn't think I really needed to branch out too much because my focus wasn't on, um, on anything but, you know, rock and classic rock. Um, well, where did the upright come in play then? I, that was given to me. Oh, all right. I had never even really played it that much. Uh, yeah, it was given to me by a friend of mine who um, he restores band equipment from schools and he happened to have one that they were going to throw away. So he called me, he said, I'm, I'm going to bring it to you if you want it. And he just brought it my, over. <laughs> my whole life, I've wanted one of those. Oh, I, his, his best friend got pissed at him for giving it to me and not him because he's a really awesome bass player. I, uh, <laughs> I want, I, play a lot in the punk scene because of mm -hmm. the punk scene it's really the horror punk scene mm -hmm. which is really close to the rockabilly scene yeah. and i love all these dudes that play these yeah. coffin basses these stand-up basses these basses that look like 50 mercs with the flames and all this stuff mm -hmm. and the, oh my i love I, it i love the way it looks and i love the way it sounds and like uh one of my favorite friends bands is uh stellar corpses mm -hmm. from santa cruz mm -hmm. and i just i love that that jump like i feel like any time that there's an upright bass in a song yeah um it makes you want to dance yeah there was a band in dallas called specter 45 and they had uh it's a three-piece and the upright bass like that and um really really awesome band and it i think it influenced a lot of people around there and Anyways, those two guys, the two front guys ended up both committing suicide. Uh, really horrible thing. If you ever go to Dallas and you see the hearts with the 45, it's for them. And there's like a whole suicide prevention thing for them and stuff. But oh, good. anyway, sorry that's on the... Like, <laughs> yeah, you know. But yeah, but that's the only time I've ever really seen that live as far as, you know, there's there, there are still some really cool bands out there. So it's funny you bring that up. Um... I do want to touch on that real quick. Me playing music. Um, I'm going to go off script a little bit here, everyone. Sure. Uh, it's been a personal journey. And uh, I felt like an angst teen. I felt like I didn't belong. 
but I always felt like my life was complete any time that a guitar or a bass was in my hand. And it's very true. Yeah. And my dad got me my first guitar on my 13th birthday. And then a couple months later, that Sammy bass. And I swear to God to you, like, I, I just went through some of my old notebooks. I, I used to write songs right off the bat. Mm -hmm. Like right away, I saw that playing bass and playing guitar were like, and when I write, I just looked through the notebooks last night. I got them back from an old friend. Um, like my first notebooks of my first songs with lyrics and tabs. And every time that there was a guitar tab, there was a bass tab right next to it. And it didn't always, you know, wasn't always the same part. Sometimes it was a harmony. Sometimes it was, you know, a different feel, a different vibe. Um, but I, I never got pushed to suicidal thoughts because I always had this outlet. Um, I got really lucky when that stuff was put in my lap. It all started to make sense. Yeah. Um, you know, that's really, really, really important to me. Um, it's exactly why I've been here and f why I feel so good, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah, I totally understand. Um, I think I, I was looking for that kind of outlet when I was younger, but unfortunately I lived with the school bully and, uh, you know, couldn't get away from it. So it kind of, I think he kind of bullied me into not, not playing as much as I should have too. So, um, but eventually I, I, I came around and started playing. It does give you something else to look forward to because when you get into music, whether you want to play on stages or not, there's still a big community out there. And um, I grew up with a very musical family on my dad's parents' side. So anytime I was there, there was they were always playing guitar, always singing, always, you know, in very close uh, family that way. Um, and so I always thought that, you know, music does bring people together. And it's a, it's a language that we all can speak um, if we, you know, if we, we can all at least listen to it. We can get a lot from it. Um, we can, we I, can uh, yeah, I see, like, I used to write like a lot of poetry, right? When you're trying to express your feelings, um, it's, it's so literal, literally <laughs> literature, like it's so literal. Um, when I switched those feelings to the secret journal of a chord or a bass run, uh, that's where, you know, I got like a little bit more solace. Mm -hmm. um, where I could get this release pressure free, right? Like I could get this release and if anyone heard it, they, st they weren't going to know the exact meaning release, right? It's like yeah. being able to go up to a punching bag, but no one ever knows what punches you threw, Yeah. right? Yeah. You, they just know that you hit the bag and mm -hmm. they don't know what the punches were. They don't know what the, you know, and yeah. there was, a, there's a lot to that. And like nowadays I use that as a way to spread my message and, and say what's on my mind. But um, I just wanted to, to jump on that because yeah. I, for, for me, I feel so complete. And I lost my dad. And, you know, we'll be dropping this, um, you know, what, on the third or something, second to third, whatever that Monday is. But we're filming this on New Year's Eve, which is my dad's birthday. And after losing him, um, 
I just, it makes me, one of these things that makes me feel so good is anytime I use these tools or anytime I share these things with these people, like things like this podcast, it's such a beautiful gift that gets to give back. And, and I, I've anchored on music to fill that void of being lost. You know, if you, I also like like stars, space and planets. And when you think on a universal level like that, we are so small. And you can sometimes feel so insignificant, but if you give yourself a purpose, mm -hmm. right? I, I can't explain my love, my um, magnetism to music. I can't explain it. I just know that it's there. I noticed it and I embrace it. Right. And some people are that way about sports and some people are that way about writing or acting, right? Mm -hmm. I, love this creativity outlet that we yeah. get and one of the best things about this gear thing is like you get like spikes of endorphins anytime like you upgrade your bass or something yeah. right yeah um, or you find that perfect tone for you or you find the perfect tone yeah, dude, listen guys everybody <laughs> tone is so important you really you have to understand you yeah, have to understand what good tone is um about that i think the reason why i bought my first Ibanez off this kid for a hundred bucks um, is a lot of the basses, uh, bass players that I listened to, they played two companies at that time. Um, it was mainly either Ibanez or it was Fernandez. Mm -hmm. Those yeah. two companies were like rocking 90s rock and roll. Um, and it was just always this this thing that I heard on in the street, like, oh, if you want to an Ibanez. If you get yourself an Ibanez, man, you 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 won't be upset. You won't be upset. Like they had this great reputation for an inexpensive, awesome bass. Yeah. You know, they didn't always look great. They didn't always have like the coolest cuts and whatever on all their bases. They were kind of round and like, <laughs> but um, they they were known to be reliable most of the time. You know, yeah. like and a decent price and. That's also probably why I play with a pick, not just because I also play guitar, but all the bands I listen to. Again, I, I grew up listening to a lot of industrial music. Mm -hmm. They all used picks, right? Um, and you were into Clutch at the time. Yeah. Um, what other bands are you into? Did you like start learning and adapting that style from like, once you had to learn this stuff for these songs, did you learn um like songs that you liked and try and emulate certain tones from certain bands i was a workhorse because i got thrown into the fire and i had to maintain this uh you know knowing the songs and then as soon as we got those songs down there's new songs to learn plus i was working on my stage presence i mean i was really working on all of this stuff at once so i had no time to learn theory learn anything but you know the numbers of the of the frets you know and so um, after that band, I went straight into another band um, where I was a co-writer. How was your, your bass tone in the first band? I don't, uh, horrible as far as I'm concerned, because I would never, I would never have had that tone now. If I would have choose, if, if I could go back and learn about tone, I wouldn't have had that tone. But that tone was chosen by the guitar player of the band that'll happen band. that'll happen <laughs> yeah exactly exactly bass players know, get bullied yeah if you don't yeah yeah if you don't like <laughs> if you don't know about your tone you're yeah they're gonna tell you about your tone so yeah 
bass players, bass players definitely get bullied in practice. They get bullied on the stage. Now, here's yeah. a big thing. Most people think, and we all we all think so too. Like so much of the best part of the bass as an instrument is the bass frequency, that low end. But if you yeah. don't have your tone set up right, where yeah. your 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 low ends with your highs with your mids, if you don't have those tones EQ'd out right, you're gonna get told to turn down every time. If you're only boosting those frequencies that rumble people's guts and not anything above that where they can hear it too, you're just always gonna be told to turn down. And so you can turn down those rumbling shit frequencies that are great for your subwoofer, not for the stage, right? And um, you, you you turn them down with EQs and you boost up those those higher lows, right? Those Those low mids. Yeah, area and through. then you can get some of that stuff where you can hear it and feel it mm -hmm. and you know and for me playing with the pick that 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 high-end noise is so important that string twang for me yeah. opposite of you right yeah. is it's so important that i get it that even if i um if i have old strings on i have to try and like boost that signal a little bit in the eq so that way i can keep that tone yeah, that it's just such a tone is such a crazy concept if you don't know anything about it, right? And tone comes from everything. It comes from your your instrument, it comes from your gear, it comes from your fingers, it comes from how you play, it comes from your fingernails, especially if you're playing with your with your fingers. If your fingernails are not cut, you're going to hear that on the on the bass string. Um, can you repeat that? Can you repeat that? I'd like you to say that one more time because <laughs> no, no, because this is, I, we've never touched on this and I can't believe that, but I, I, yeah, please say yeah. that again. I, I like this. Tone comes from everything. It doesn't just come from the knobs on your, on your, <laughs> on your rig. It comes from the instrument you play. It comes from the rig. It comes from your fingers. It comes from your, your strings. It comes from your fingernails. It comes from how you play it all of your attack, if you play with a pick, everything in your tone comes from, from you and your personal choices in your gear and how you play. Yeah, it's everything. The microscopic angles of your it's hands your, and your how you approach it. Print. It's your yep. musical thumbprint. And I was asked this uh, on Tone Talk with Guitar, Guitar Girl Magazine. Go get your 2000 and... 21 calendar like what year is it? oh my god uh 2021 calendar i missed july anyways uh tone talk we were t they asked us you know what is your what does your tone mean to you what does tone mean to you and i said it's your musical your your musical fingerprint um it's because yeah it, it really is because mm -hmm. it, it's if you listen and we've talked about this with great basis if you listen to like uh if you listen to uh, any of them that you can hear their specific tone, you know who it is. You know, you know who John Paul Jones is because of how he sounds. You know who Field is because how he sounds. You know, and those are you know completely opposite spectrum of the spectrum. But it's it's that's that's it. That's encompassed exactly. One personal accomplishment that I remember the exact moment that it happened. Right, because like along our our musical journeys, we have these little mountains and molehills of accomplishments along the way and one something that i view as a compliment is i was building this like guitar it was a seven string guitar instrumental band it was just me and another guitar player and we'd rent out this room and we just had all of our pedals signed lined up and i would use my whammy and i would do the bass lines on my seven string or he would play my bass 
and I'd play guitar or I'd play the bass and he'd play guitar and we were just like making noise. We were making yeah. noise, we were making rhythmic noise, we were jamming. It was yeah. so much fun. Yeah. But um, one of the things that I take as such a big compliment, at least I take it as such a, a huge compliment, is um, one of my other band members throughout this crazy project that we had together was just making noise. It was guitar and bass and pedals and all this stuff. But he told me that no matter what instrument I played on, no matter what rig I was on, whether it was guitar or bass, when I switched, it sounded like me playing. Um, and that's the truth. It's because it was about me playing the instrument. You know, how I played my my guitar or my bass in that rig. We could have different settings all throughout. Maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe I tweak stuff. But, like, it was always told to me that no matter what rig I was playing on, it sounded like me. Yeah. That's a huge compliment. Mm -hmm. Huge compliment, right? And that's – people have to realize that. Yeah. You know, uh, even yeah, Rob I Flynn mean from Machine Head says, 86% of your tone comes from your fingertips, man. You yeah. know? Yeah, it, it, it does. And so really now does. with that, with tone, right, and finding your tone, so much of that is once you get your beginner gear, well, then mm -hmm. where do you upgrade? How do you upgrade right. through your gear? Like, do you start with your bass? Do you start with your amp? Do you start with pedals? Yeah. You know, so after, for me, I was always a pedal guy. I, amps were always so expensive. And so the the cheaper alternative to buying bases and buying amps was buying pedals. Yeah. Yeah, the first thing I did when I got my first Fender was I put flat wounds on it. Mm. That's the first mm. thing I did. I was playing round wounds in my first band on the Demonator uh, and the Flying V. And um, that was the sound for that band. But when I went to the next band and I had a different sound, more of a classic rock sound, and a, um, I switched to flat wounds. And that'll change your tone right off the bat. Completely, yeah. Completely yeah. Your yeah, what size strings you use, it all matters. And like, yeah. and someone like me, I'm, I'm hardcore about changing my strings the second that they start to lose their sharpness, they're gone. And that's another tone thing. Yep. Yeah, and well, see, because it makes it easier for me to, because, all right, so about talking about tone and EQ, it's always better to have your signal and then cut stuff out mm -hmm. than have a signal that is missing something and trying to boost that signal. So yeah, if I want a certain frequency of the twang, mm -hmm. I can EQ out the frequencies I don't want easier and better sounding then I can trying to put an EQ on that bass that yeah. will boost up those frequencies that have died in those strings. Yeah. Right? Like you can do it, but it's not going to sound as good. And so that's, you know, that that's a real important thing to, to consider when it comes to tone is it's so much easier to have more and take out mm -hmm. than it is to try and boost something that isn't there. Yeah. Um, I asked uh, my friend Ace Bergman, who is Slash's Guitar Tech, um, once how he dials in um, Slash's, you know, what he, what he does. He's like, I don't know, I just, you know, to where it sounds good, I guess. But it, his, his kind of rule of thumb is, you know, start in the middle and take out what you don't want. And then once from there, then boost what you do want. And so yep. it's a really easy, simple rule of thumb 
if you're especially if you plug into a new amp or a new gear or it's a different kind of bass you know start in the middle and then take out what you don't like and then put in more of what you like one of the first things i do um on all of my rigs is uh a i always have brand new strings when i'm like if i'm doing like a tone search or if i'm mm -hmm. doing a recording or if i'm you know like prepping for tour the first thing brand new strings in the setup yeah. right always yeah. and the setup is another thing that changes the setup <laughs> yeah your intonation has a lot to do with your tone how your bass resonates with the kick drum mm -hmm. you know that that matters yeah and you know um, also with drummers and i didn't realize this until i started dating a drummer that it all of their different drums like all the different drum heads they all have different sounds too like the clear ones versus the um, yeah that are the I, I didn't really the, I mean, the I, coated the single the coated, ply yeah. the double ply yeah yeah ply rather and i want to get into to drumming you know drums eventually into this podcast too because it's so important but i didn't realize any of that you know and uh now that i do i'm like wow there's just so much there's so much to it <laughs> there, there's so much to it and, and that's another thing too is when it comes to your bass tone you have to consider does it complement my drummer and guitar does it complement my guitar player you know um again, you can drown out a singer <laughs> yeah, yeah of course you can um yeah. but you can make you can make so much low resonance with your bass rig that the kick drum doesn't have the same effect if you're taking up the whole area mm -hmm. you know that's why that's also why a lot of sound guys give a lot of high end to the mm -hmm. kick drum a lot of that click to the kick drum is because in a live setting the bass is taking up all of those low frequencies right you know and again it comes down to you using an eq and taking some of those things out mm -hmm. just the same way like when you do albums, you have a, your bass signal and your kick drum, mm -hmm. and then you have a side chain compressor, right? And so every time that that kick hits, it's muting the bass signal for that momentary second. So that way, because if you just had like your bass signal going and then the kick hitting every time the kick hit, if the, if the bass was at like, you know, it's best top volume, every time the kick hit, it would just go. <laughs> It's right? And that's what our old demos used to sound like. But they do the side chain compression. So every time they kick hits, yeah. it mutes that bass for just that momentary second. So it you can hear through. just that. Yeah. And that, if you're EQing, things like that can happen more naturally live, mm -hmm. right? Maybe not completely, right? Unless you have that kind of setup. But that's how they do it on the records. It's why the records sound so good, you know, um, linking stuff together, you know, everything has to meld in a band. And so that's another thing too, when it comes to upgrading, some of your upgrades have to be tailored to your job mm -hmm. versus tailored to what you might want to do. Um, because I play bass in so many gigs, I have to constantly be working on my bass rig and shaping my tones and working on my gear whereas if i didn't have those gigs maybe a lot more of my journeys would be on the guitar end maybe yeah. i'd have 17 more guitar amps yeah <laughs> yeah and it goes into you know, what what you need versus what you want you know right right i would love to fill my house with 
everything that I've ever seen that I just absolutely love, but I don't I want a, I want a sick dark glass setup. I want <laughs> right there. I want I want all their pedals. I want all their amps. I want everything. And I was almost going to get them for tour. Um, and I really think that that is a sound that I could benefit for my tone. Right now I use fractal. Um, I have this fractal axe effects and I just, even though I want that dark glass setup, I don't need that dark glass setup mm -hmm. because I have my axe effects setup that does multiple things for me. And because I am both a guitar player and a bass player, an axe effects setup makes more sense because I can do both. Yeah. You know, and if I want to amplify it, I just hook it up to one of these things, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, what was your, did you have like a, like a sought after piece of gear that you were like, one day uh, I'm going to have this. What I have now, um, like I have three different Fender bases. Uh, so they're all, and they're all different. So one's the 60s model, one's uh, 2008, and then one's a 72, 74 short scale. Um, so I have, the, it's kind of the same tone on all three of them, but they're all Fender and they're all beautiful and I love them. Right, <laughs> so those right. are all the bases that I wanted. And then um, as far as gear, I have my Fender 8x10 um, cab, and then I have my hybrid uh, amp, uh, the basement right. amp. So it's, and it's just wonderful. So I have the gear that I've always wanted. Um, that I amp and like... everything, that's the amp that you've always wanted? Mm -hmm. Like even the head? Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Lucky and figured it out. But I... It was because I wanted the John Paul John Jones setup, and I pretty much got that. He had a um, he had a different head because definitely the, had a tube head. Yeah, he had yeah, but now it's yeah. it's hybrid, so we went with that one. <laughs> and it's, right, right, yeah, I know, I know. Um, the the Ampeg SVT two that I have that that bass head, I've yeah. wanted that forever. Even yeah. as a guitar player, I wanted that head. You know what I well, mean? I'll tell like, you, I, I never even knew that I wanted this head in specific, like specifically until I realized it's only 15 pounds. Right. Again, I have all these amps and I don't use them because the axe effects goes in the overhead and it's in the rack and everything all lined up with the wireless, all the cables, everything is 27 pounds. Yeah. Like, and that was our first conversation was about how you guys tour. And I thought that was just amazing. Yeah, right. Because when that we met point. you, uh, that was on the second Nita Strauss tour, we had zero amps. The first yeah. tour, the the band had amps because we all came from New Jersey and Nita didn't. Mm -hmm. um, but in this second one, we all flew in um, to North Carolina to start. They flew in from the West Coast. I flew in from Jersey. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, yeah and we that was just like the setup it made it made sense if i didn't have a digital amp setup i don't i don't even know if I, what i would have done yeah like i you know like it wasn't it wasn't really discussed like it wasn't discussed mm -hmm. don't use your like don't bring your amp right it was just that i knew i had to fly in mm -hmm. and i knew i had the means to do so so i did it right yeah. but like it wasn't may i don't know because if i also flew into cali for some of those 
Maybe we talked about it a little bit, but no, because no, no, we didn't because it wasn't because in, for the California shows on the beginning of that tour, Johnny had his guitar rig because we were in California. Yeah. So it was it was completely our option yeah. on what to do. I just would have had to figure it out my damn self on getting a, a you know, a rig. Oh, but I probably could have used. Yeah. Like we toured yeah. with the band like it, it just came down to convenience and right. tone. Right. I can rely on my tone yeah. on an Axe Effects by turning it on. Yeah, and I want to touch on that for our viewers. So when you tour, um, there's one or two things that happen. You either bring your own gear or you, you buy which it, what is called a backline, and that's on your rider. So it is up to a backline company with whatever whatever city you're going into next to provide whatever's on your list. It doesn't always happen that way, though, unfortunately. Oh, no. You get crappy gear. <laughs> always. You get um, the last gear, especially if there's a festival coming in and that backline company has got all of their good stuff out. Um, I've done tours where you go there and the bass player in the first band, you're playing their rig that they made at home and you're just like, what is going on? Yeah, um, and you walk you so, walk up to it, right? And you're like, oh, that's not so bad. And then they like take the rack cover off. It's like, king, 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 king. And there's like cables everywhere and wirelesses and <laughs> every time like, you hit the volume knob. Or speakers that are way too big and way too small and the combination is just and like not good anyway yeah not enough power and we show up um, i've so showed up i've showed up for a backline and there was an eight by ten powered uh -huh. by one of those little tiny crate <laughs> like the little tiny crate like yeah. put in your back the, pocket uh, and i'm like box. what they call those a black box or something I, I don't remember yeah and i'm a huge crate fan so i'm not just hating but like <laughs> it just dude. Did it yeah so um but what we're trying to avoid is um by bring you know by you bringing your fractal or me bringing my gear or whatever is we're trying to avoid uh inconsistencies from yeah differences inconsistencies in inconsistencies in, in in each show because we want to give you the same show every night because that's what you pay for so we want to make sure that it sounds how we want it to sound so and much of and I guess this is what this episode has really been around, but like so much of not just your musical knowledge, right? Theory mm -hmm. knowledge, but so much of who you are as a musician is the way you sound. We are noisemakers. Mm -hmm. So if the sound you make sucks, <laughs> That's you're not you hanging on. <laughs> Maybe you suck, you know, but like that's our job our job is to sound good when we're making noise right and like our that's job, our job it's physically the job description mm -hmm. <laughs> it is our, yeah it's our job it's day. physically it's like the only requirement is like all right what you're gonna make is gonna be loud it's uh -huh. gonna be you know like gut-wrenching ear-shattering nose-bleeding you know like thumping punching this thing. but it's got to sound good like it can't do it, it can't be all those things you can't be yeah. descriptive if it just sounds like a like a 90s death metal band yeah it needs, just, it needs to have playability you know and it needs to sound like uh like how, how you're wanting it to sound now if you're if you want a band that's real eclectic and has really weird sounds then go for it but if you're wanting to have like a metal band and you you want to have the tone for a metal band if you want to be a classic rock band you need the tone for a classic rock band 
and it's, right and now it's all subjective you just got to make sure that the noise that you make sounds good to you <laughs> right and that's did, that's really what it is it's that's true i did uh talk to a bass player who played uh we played a zeparella played a show and then um it was at a casino so afterwards you know you go through the casino and there's a house band playing and the house band was there at our show before and i talked to the bass player and he asked me what i thought about his playing and his his gear and i had to tell him i'm like you're <laughs> It sounds awful. I mean, your playing's great. No, the playing was great. He was, he was hit. I mean, yeah, was, yeah. No, I know. I know. I know what you mean. He used this. It's a cover band, and he used the same tone for every single song. And it just, you could hear it. It was horrible. And so I told him, I'm like, okay, can I mess with your, your knobs? I said, I totally won't if, if it's offensive. Can I turn your knobs, son? Yeah, can I, I, I just said, like, <laughs> can, I, can, I, can I dial you in real quick? And he's like, yeah. And so I did it. And every single one of his band members was like, wow, it sounds really good. <laughs> Sometimes, well, see, that's another thing, too. Some, and, and that's to should stop discouragement. Mm -hmm. Like, sometimes you're only just like a knob turned away. Yeah. Just like, you, you just got to come into your own. And yeah. so, and that's why your needs and your wants turn into your, your, your whys and your hows, right? Mm -hmm. um, and for me, number one secret to anything that i would consider my tone um right off the bat is i believe in this this golden rule um what is more important than the noise that your guitars and your basses make what the noise that they don't make <laughs> and so because of that and and that's the, the god's honest truth i usually like i grab a guitar and i'll show you you could play dream on by aerosmith and you know mm -hmm. you play these three power chords but if you don't mute those other three strings when you're playing that A string power chord, um, it sounds god awful. Yeah. Right. So like the people, if you want people to appreciate what you're doing, sometimes yeah. all you have to do is not do some of the other stuff. So yeah. for me, my my tonal secrets right off the bat, guitar or bass, the same exact two pedals come with me everywhere, even with the fractal. Mm -hmm. I always bring these two pedals also, and it's, um, I have a Dynacomp, MXR Dynacomp, and an ISP Decimator. Those two pedals, I bring up the noise and I shut it up. It is the best combination out of anything I've ever done. Mm -hmm. I can, I can control my noise, you yeah. know? And, and so, so much, again, it's not so much about giving more, it's yeah. about having it not be there the reason why i really use the compressor with the noise gate is because where this noise gate hits perfectly for me when i need it to close right um when i come in without a compressor it like it takes a second so i like with the compressor i come in right away yeah and with the gate i shut up right away yeah um, and it's it's just that I needed to just if you know adjust that sweet spot on the noise gate for me um, and for my setup. Um, now, did you did you do that by buying the gear and then trial and error, or did you go try out the gear? I always, always, always had noise gates. I always was in that era, mm -hmm. and for like ten to fifteen years, between myself and every other metal guitar player out there. Um, we've been fighting feedback, right? Because all these things, you add fuzz and distortion and gain, and there's always feedback. And like, that's the biggest difference you can tell between um, an amateur band and a pro band mm -hmm. is that 
when the pro band is up on stage, when they're done, they're done. When they finish a song, they finish a song. You don't hear a goddamn thing. When the amateur band is done, it's like. Dun, 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 dun. somebody's got a gear problem <laughs> yeah and it's it, well that's what it always is is that i i, yeah, I think like a big problem is, or yeah, they're, for, yeah but for guitars cool. and bass you know on these stages when especially when you're coming up in the ranks mm -hmm. like your amps are set up in front of all of the other bands amps so yeah. that means your amp is on your ass yeah so so much of um you know my journey was opening up and selling tickets for other bands you know, those of you who don't know, because who knows if we'll ever play shows again, but the way, A the way you come up in the ranks is you, when you, you work at a venue, like mm -hmm. you, you work out of your local venue, right? You find your local venue that you want to play out of all the time. And, you know, maybe a couple of them here and there and you work up the ranks. So that way, when the big band comes into town, you can get on that show. You talk with that promoter. You make that club believe you. You bring all these people to this club that no one wants to go to on a Tuesday night, and they might just offer you an opportunity to have to sell a minimum of 40 tickets to play with this other band. Uh, you know, and by the way, you're responsible for all that money. If you don't sell the tickets, you don't play, by the way. But, you know, and and you get paid like 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 a dollar a ticket, if that, maybe two beers. And and you do all of this to to get on this show. Your amp's right up on you. You know what I mean? You don't have any space to move around because the because your drummer is also in front of the the other drummer. <laughs> right, and that, so with with bass, I I I noticed that um, especially because it's so dynamic yeah. that sometimes some of the lows are too loud and sometimes some of the highs are too quiet. Yeah, and so I. I brought the compressor into my guitar rig with the noise gate. So that way, when I could, when I was in, started becoming in and being in those headlining bands, mm -hmm. now my amps were further back. Yeah. And now when I wanted feedback, so I played in these punk rock bands, when I wanted feedback, I had to turn around mm -hmm. and go towards the amp, which took yeah. me away from the crowd. Yeah. Right? It took me away from the show. Yeah. When I play a show, I'm in your you face. Yeah. I'm like, I'm here. I'm, I'm sing. If I like, I don't do backup vocals in the songs, but when I see people singing around, I get down on my knees and I sing with you while I'm playing, man. That's, yeah. that's what we do. We have fun. We're, we're at a rock show. Yeah. So I put the compressor in, I just bought it out of pure pot luck. I bought these two compressors at guitar center. One of them was broken and the other one wasn't. And I noticed that when it was on, I could be all the way on the front of the stage and just tap the strings and it'd be like and it was like it was like perfect it was like i was doing it with the volume knob uh volume pedal rather um so it was just perfect um and then i instantly put that in my bass rig when i realized what it did there and so, and i go nowhere without those two pedals it's just yeah, you said you have a sans amp too um i do i have well i've I've had Sans amps. Currently, I have a, a, the MXR equivalent. It's the MXR Bass DI. Yeah. So if before I had the Fractal, my backup always, anytime I play a live show too, is not only do I have the Fractal or the amp or whatever, but I always bring this MXR Bass DI, and which is basically like if I could have a dark glass, that's what I've, I would have. I'd have like their Alpha Omega or something like that. Yeah. And it's, as a bass player, we're really lucky because I could, 
I could just bring this pedal and go right into the PA and, and be fine. I you can't do that with guitar, you know, like they're 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 almost there with making it that small, yeah. but like usually anything that's that small, you can't yeah. it doesn't sound great. But uh <laughs> um but yeah, and so I'll I'll use that and I usually always have a backup, you know, yeah. like plumbed. Um mm -hmm. when I have like the big rig and I have the axe effects and the SVT. Yeah. I also have that MXR pedal yeah. and I'll like, I'll AB out to the front of house. The Axe FX gets one line, the Ampeg gets another line. And those are the two we use for the show. If in the event anything happens to the, the rig because it's too powered or something like that, that MXR is always being run with the mic cable going to it and it's on battery power. So if for some reason everything dies, yeah, I, I walk over um if if i have it plugged in i don't always have it plugged but if i have it plugged into power supply i all i have to do is walk over and unplug it from the the nine volt power and it'll go but a lot of times before i go on i unplug just that one and let it, that one pedal just run on battery power for the set and then mm -hmm. i plug it back in um but yeah it's like a super fail safe where it'll just go um it'll work you know um uh, do you have any extra nine volt batteries and nine volt power power supplies? Usually, do you travel with those? Yes. Because those are very important to travel with. If you have to use nine volt batteries, you just need to have nine. So volt when with uh, with these two pedals, I run them on batteries um, when I'm on tour. Mm -hmm. um, the last Nita tour was the very first time I didn't use them. Um, I did have like I have like this little pocket where I could have had them set up. Yeah. Um, and I had them there. Um, but the the last Nita tour, I just went straight into the, the Axe FX. Um, you know, it was wireless into Axe FX. Like, that was it. That was all yeah. I did. For, but I had the, the channels built inside the Axe FX, like a dual channel. Cool. Um, but I have, that's why I, the one thing I don't like about these bases that I was able to get from Ibanez is that uh, they run off of batteries. And I don't like that. Um, it's really I, hard to have. My very, very first bass that I was practicing with was active. And it would go out all the time. And I, I hate it because it'd be in the middle of a. Of it a always track. goes out at the worst time. It always goes out at yeah. the worst time. It always goes yeah. out. And it, like, I, I found out with Michael Graves um, that I'd be like in the middle of a set and I'd be like, why the hell does my bass sound like shit? Mm hmm. Yeah, you can't hear and it. And it'd be, and like, be like, what is going on? And then after the set, you like take out the battery and like, like mother. Yeah, it's no, it's it's just unpredictable. And like, it's not that it doesn't sound good when the batteries are there. It's just I hate that it's in that good. moment yeah. <laughs> that battery dies, and I it's look like shit. Yeah, right? No one same. sees the the nine volt. No one boos the fucking nine volt. It's they, you, yeah. You know. Um, so I've, I, even with guitars, I used to play EMGs and stuff. Um, and with pedals, I've always had this issue, but, um, for the longest time, since I've always been into pedals, I've mm -hmm. always made sure that I, I run a power supply. I have cables nowadays. I, I have a, as much of a fail safe system as possible. I run things off of a one spot. Uh, well, I always have like a one spot daisy chain that I, I can have as a backup. Or um, I use like uh, the MXR DC bricks, the ISO bricks, mm -hmm. um, things like that, the Voodoo pedal powers. It all depends. But any time that I'm using a power supply, 
and I'm on tour and I'm using pedals, mm -hmm. every single pedal to the best of my ability yeah. will have a brand new nine volt battery in there. So that way, in case the power supply goes down and I don't have the backup, I just yeah. unplug them all. And then as they are, they all have batteries in them already. Yeah. Um, it does mess up the show, but that's the fail safe to the fail safe to the fail safe to the fail safe, you know, like if you're going to work with um, an active base, you need to make sure that you know that it's an active base and you know that it's probably going to go out in the middle of your set. Right. And if you don't know, there's usually a little rectangular pocket on the back, right? Yeah, usually there is. Yeah. And you just like this. Yeah. So and then inside there. Boom boom but yeah it's not exactly the best thing to want to have to change in the middle of a song <laughs> no i just you just have to grab a second base um so uh what did you talk with um with your friend about um so when i met up with hoogie mm -hmm. um i asked him a couple questions one of them uh but and we'll get into it uh one of them had to do with why he became a tech right like when it comes to the bigger shows so much of the show isn't just the band so much of the show is also the crew i know for me it's very true it's not just the people on the stage it's the people behind the scenes um and there's a lot of maintenance issues you know what what my biggest tonal like thing about changing my strings that's an everyday maintenance issue um, one of our future guests, Mike Gallo from Agnostic Front, I was on a tour with him as a guitar and bass tech for Prong. Mm -hmm. And I was changing strings every other day for mm -hmm. both of those bands, uh, both of those guys in that band, rather. But Mike Gallo, every single night, every single night on tour, he changed his strings right before soundcheck. Every single night. More than me. I thought that was crazy. Yeah, I know. I thought I, I thought I changed my strings a lot by doing it every other show. He he did his own strings every single night. Yeah, I know a couple of bass players like that. That just I I don't. I mean, that's their tone. That's what they like. I, yeah, well, it's a lot of it has to do with like metal and punk rock, right? We we really do with everyone going lower and lower and lower and everything. Um, it really helps when you're playing again when it comes to your tone and EQing. As a bass player, one of the things that I've always needed, um, oh, so using the axe effects, I don't have a giant cap behind me. So like, I would always have to have the sound guy be boost the high frequencies. And I think that's why we do that. You know, a lot of the times we have high frequencies in our yeah. bass, so we can we want that hear. cut. We want Yeah, we want it to cut through. And um, it's like, it's like once that cut dampens a little bit it's just like oh you want it back <laughs> yeah well it's it's your feedback to you know for me with nita that's very much been the case is that i need the high end for mm -hmm. my feedback um yeah. because again if you just boost those low frequencies in your bass tone you just yeah. get told to turn down yeah. so you know um so i got to talk to them about you know how he became a tech and how that approach came and then I got to ask him about a couple of things like, you know, night after night, uh, certain responsibilities. Has he heard any complaints from anyone? What mm -hmm. are things that um, he he has just learned over the years? And part of our discussion wound up getting into sponsorships and endorsements. And after we get done and we get back from my uh, interview with Hoogie, we're going to jump into that. 
a little bit more. So check it out, guys. All right, guys, I'm here with Hoogie from WB Gear and Shinedown Tech, and uh, you used to work for Lamb of God. I know him yeah. from WB Gear and Mental Cases and Intune Guitar Picks and all these amazing companies that have helped me along my path. Um, so Hoogie is here, and he is going to answer a few questions for us to give you guys some insight on uh, just some of those shortcuts that I always talk about, you know, these things that take so long and you don't, you don't, realize um what you have to do until you have to do it. and i was just talking right before we uh started recording this about how there's been so many moments where like you get to the stage and like something's happening and you're like in a panic and that's when you figure out these crisis scenarios right and uh, we were just riffing on that a little bit and so with some of this i wanted to uh dive into that but uh the first question is mr hoogie thank you for coming on thanks for having me man it's a pleasure um so you worked with a lot of awesome bands big bands small bands everything you know right yeah. we all come up in the ranks i've been um, doing this for 23 years now so right and now uh, and without if there wasn't the vid going on uh what would you be doing right now i'd probably be on the road with shine down right now uh or or somebody else you know depending on uh, the point uh, they are with their record cycle but yeah definitely on the road you know that's that's what i do about eight months out of the year and so you're and you're bass tech for shine down right or are you guitar tech been, also I, I, no i've been back uh bass tech for eric since 2000 and 2015 so yeah five years now so my um all the members of nita strauss totally made fun of me when we uh did that festival together yeah um and we got on the stage and shinedown was headlining and i asked eric uh the bass player of shinedown if he could snag me one of gavin rosdale's guitar picks over from the guitar the guitar tech over there because i didn't want to like just walk up to a guy and like he was sitting there talking with us and and like they were like nita was like did you just ask the bass player of shinedown for one of Gavin Rosdale's guitar picks. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I did. I did. <laughs> That's pretty funny. But he, but he, dude, he was super cool. And he was like, yeah, of course, man. Like, I don't know. It's like one of the biggest bands when I was a kid. You know what I mean? No, I like, oh, dude, yeah, I get it. I definitely get yeah, it. I, I, was, I was half fangirling, but they all totally made fun of me for that moment. But uh, I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, like, you're always on the job. You got to be able to be a kid once in a while, right? Uh, we're yeah. not we're not in this industry oh, to grow up. No, <laughs> we're, we're all stuck at 15, yeah. right? Right. Yeah. It's stuck at 15, 13, 14, anywhere in the teens yeah. for sure. You know, 20 teen, old enough I to guess. drink teen. That's about yeah, it. That's about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So as a professional guitar and bass tech, uh, did you first get involved with any instruments as a musician and if so to what degree and then how did that ultimately lead to you becoming a tech well i was never uh never a musician uh i fell into it uh hanging out with a band when i was uh graduating high school 17 back in canada this band that i know they uh ended up signing our, our record deal and uh me and the guitar player are friends and they took me on the road what and band from was there they were called Flybanger at the time. Uh, I was good friends with the singer and the the uh, the guitar player. Yeah, one thing led to another. 
So you didn't ever play an instrument like in that? No, regard? no, no. Uh, the uh, guitar player's like, hey, started showing me some stuff, how to re restring and work on his guitars and stuff like that. And Yeah. I have okay. had a whole bunch of guitar techs that don't know how to play guitar. Isn't yeah. that funny? Isn't that funny? Yeah, and, yeah, drum techs I, uh, that, and drum techs that like, you know, they know how to hit the drums. They know yeah. how to tune the drums. They know how to change the heads. They know how to, but don't expect them to start doing blast beats, you know? Yeah, no, I get it, man. In uh, 23 years, I've made a career of it. Wow, yeah, it's a long time. It's a long time. I've been playing yeah. guitar for, I'm going to be 37, so 24 years I've been playing guitar. Yeah. And and I, myself, I started off as a tech, too. Um, the reason why I asked you this question is because when I got my first guitar, one of the very first things I did before I knew how to play a single thing was I completely took it apart. Like my, my dad was a car guy. I did everything yeah. but disconnect the solder, right? No, I get it. And then over the years, that just evolved. And then yeah. I actually started touring for Darrow Chemical Company uh, with the guys from Michael Graves. Um, okay. Yeah, it was their, like, other band. I was their tech. I was their guitar and bass tech. Yeah. And, like, I had to learn 12 songs in a pinch because the guitar player had to leave because of, like, crisis family emergency. And uh, I just learned the song, and that's how I started touring. Like, I yeah. had always played shows, but I yeah. had never, like, toured the U.S. You know, I just yeah. did, like, the, the local tri-state area circuit, you know? Yeah. Um. And yeah, and so like that's that's pretty cool. And like the the last couple of guitar techs I had, like uh, my buddy my buddy uh, Drew Stage Crew, yeah, um, he he like you know like uh, he would take classes. I think like when Nita went to hire him or for one of his gigs, he's not a guitar player. He didn't know how to do like Floyd Rhodes. Yeah. I think he had to do like a Monsters of Rock cruise, yeah. and he just like went to Ibanez and they like sat him down. They like showed him the ropes, showed him everything, how to do it and banged it out. You know, you could be yeah. very methodical if you know how to just turn your screws. Oh no. And just, it takes time. Right. You know, uh, I'm always learning, always evolving. You know, there's, that's just it. Don't, don't go into thinking, you know, everything things always gears, always changing, you know, rigs, you know, digital, guitars are always changing everything you know what what was it like being a tech in the beginning right like so before rigs like in the beginning i the dude i worked with he had a couple he had a rectifier and a cat in a cabinet you know he had a couple guitars i think three guitars i think he had two tunings but uh you know pretty simple pedal board it was like a wah tuner and something else right right it wasn't anything crazy and uh you know i learned how to work on his it was like a couple less poles and I think uh, there was a Explorer. And uh, base rig was pretty simple too. It was like just a ampeg rig and you know cable. Dudes didn't have wirelesses back then. Right. Yeah, for sure. Unless you were Angus. Yeah, but yeah, it was it was it was pretty simple. You know, we went on the road. We made like two hundred bucks a week and a meal at Denny's. Yeah, that, that dude. Was, the meals at Denny's. That's the punk yeah, rock days right there. Yeah. Yeah, you get, you know, $8 budget. Don't go over eight bucks. You won't get it. You're paying it. My very first tour, the one that I was just talking about, I I got paid in a lump sum for the tour, yeah. uh, but it equated out to $7 a day. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> $7 a day. Um, You know, 
It was fun, you... but there was some Denny's meals. I got news. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. For $7 a day, you can send a kid on tour. <laughs> <laughs> you can, though. I mean, you know, it was so, dude. And back then, I used to smoke cigarettes. And so it was like, cigarettes are food. And it was like, ah, how about we split cigarettes and then we like split some, like a cheeseburger or something, you yeah. know, like we'll just pitch in together. But, uh, yeah. So being on the road all the time, right? You tour a lot, um, yeah. a whole lot. I've seen yeah. some of your tour logs, and it looks like you're just never even home, right? Um, yeah, you know, that's part of it. You know, I've been fortunate. I've been to 59 countries. Good for you, man. Good yeah. for you. That's yeah. awesome. Lamb of God, they took us everywhere around the world. And uh, what years did you work with them? Uh, 2009, 2014. Yeah. Word. yeah yeah and uh yeah that's right around somewhere i think like 2012 2011 2012 is when i started working with wb gear and i yeah. uh, started and learned about you and because yes. you handle everything like personally yourself with that and that's always yeah. been so awesome of you you know to yeah. put so much extra work on top of yeah. all this other stuff right well, so you well, yeah a lot of people don't realize like that WB gear thing. That's my, like my side gig, you know, this is my main gig is, is working with bands and touring with bands. That's where I make my, my, you know, my bulk of my income, but uh, the WB gear thing's a side thing. And uh, it's been great. It's, you know, so good. It's I so get good. to, you know, it works because I'm on these stages and I'm always meeting new artists like you. And uh from there you know being and you able take to, care of a lot of people yeah. man you guys yeah. you guys take care of a lot of people i've been, been nothing very but grateful yeah. i've been yeah. nothing and, yeah we, you know and it's there it's like you know look currently we're work with 10 brands if you want to use them they're there if you don't cool support the ones you use and that's what we tell artists you know and you know of course you have to qualify at a certain level we don't just you know, hand out everything, you know, you got to be doing something. You got to be active. You got to have some social media presence. For sure. But all you got to do is be active in the right yeah. ways, because I'll yeah. tell you, like, I wasn't a, a touring artist like I am now at that no. time. You know what I mean? Like I was doing stuff. I was hustling. And but you were hustling. You were posting things. You were making posts. You were, you know, interacting with people, you know, so that, that that's a giant part of it you you've got somewhat of a following on your social media i love you know some of these dudes they'll they'll message me and they, they got like 100 people following them and they nothing on their social media and then they get offended because it's hard for me to justify you know for for these brands to justify doing you know things well all these brands are really generous too like there's yeah. some really awesome discounts i can't afford everything you know I, my yeah. wish list is super long yeah. like every musician you know but um yeah, yeah dude like i I'll tell you, getting guitar picks with my name on it, right? And it was because of in tune with WB yeah. Gear. That was like the first moment <laughs> in all those years oh, yeah. where I was like, I got this first bag of picks and I was like, I made it. <laughs> like, Dude, I know. It's like I the coolest thing. God, man. That's 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 been one of the funnest aspects of the job is being able to, you know, help artists give them their custom pick or, or you know you know sit strings and gauges in their sizes or you know yeah oh man I, I used to have to buy two packs because i'd only like to use this and you know i'd only like to use these ones out of this pack and then i'd waste you know, yeah that's that's been one of the coolest parts about it yeah i've been i've been a string whore my whole life in that regard it's always been you know playing 
extended range instruments uh you know in crazy tunings in the way music is nowadays you know um yeah you always sometimes you need like a super thick b string or super you know thick g string because you know you you tune down not for this one song you know this one time um so with that though so on that the 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 subject of strings because this i think would be very important for bass um what is the the hardest thing to maintain with bass would you say it has to do a lot with strings and tension as you go throughout and tour and when you take a bass through 59 countries right what is like the thing that you like like just just have the proper tools to work on it like like you know I'm consistently looking at the instrument and checking every moving spot, every where there's the screw, you know, that's, that's part of my job. Right. Uh, you know, make, making sure the neck is, you know, the proper, you know, action, you know, that's, that's part of the job going through the instrument and taking 30 minutes to sit there and, you know, uh, if you, you know, if your dude likes, you know, fresh drinks, if it, it, all of that's personal preference and it's different from guy to guy, you know, some dudes like, you know, really fresh strings for certain songs. Some dudes only play the top two strings and you can get away with only changing them. You know, it's, yeah. it, you know, it, it really is different, but one of the main things, you know, going over the parts and pieces of that instrument, checking them, you know, with the strap locks checking the bridge, checking those screws, you know, I tell all of my, I tell all of my students that you have to realize that the hardest part about like playing a stringed instrument, especially bass, cause it's, yeah. it vibrates, right? It's literally made to vibrate. So if you can imagine anything that can turn is yeah. going to move. Yeah. And then you're, <laughs> and you get to a level like this, you're, you know, you're up on stage rocking out with that bass for however many songs, and then it goes back into a vault. What's that vault doing, or what's that case doing? It's going on a truck driving down the road. What's that bass doing? It's still vibrating. It's, it's bouncing, so, bouncing. Even though, even though, you know, you're not playing it on stage, and it's been sitting in a case for a day. If you're traveling, go through those parts and pieces, check out those nuts and bones, and you know everything, right? Yeah, I had the uh, I had issues Any, even sorry, with amps. Okay. I, well, I was gonna yeah. say I had issues uh, yeah. with amps because of that scenario. That's that's why I bought this this road case for mental yeah. cases. All the, dude, I couldn't even like afford it at the time. But I still yeah. bought it because I was touring, right? And like, yeah. I play tubed amps. I have a tubed SVT uh, two pro and, here, and then uh, yeah. sixty five oh five. That thing just goes in the trailer and just bounces. And that's what I was just gonna say. Even like your pedal boards check those inputs outputs everything dude it's all that's that's half of it it literally gets stomped on for a living yeah you know (laughs) and you don't want to be up there flailing around you know well that that's what you need to do um so what's the biggest complaint that you've like come across in 23 years right um bass specific because i know you do guitar and bass um and some of this cross platforms too so like you know it is what it is but what's the biggest complaint no major complaint just like just like i said every dude's different don't go into a gig or don't go you know you're not like the other guy 
you know, so you, you know, there's a learning curve with each, each, each guy in regards to me as a tech that, you know, there's a learning curve for, it's going to take a few shows to, to get it down with the, the way you like this here, the way you like, it's not just about playing, you know, where's, where's, where do you get his, your water from where you get your, you know, towels, where's your set list on the stage? Where's your, where's your picks? Some dudes like their picks on their headstocks. It's dude, it's different from, from dude to dude. And you know, you, you, introduce little things that you've learned on, along the way to a dude and they think that's cool and then they start doing it but yeah it's it's uh definitely uh don't don't walk in thinking you already know that dude because you don't right very yeah. true when i yeah. um the first tour when i teched i knew those guys right uh yeah. recently i i got a gig teching for prong for tommy victor yeah and the first time we strung up his guitars we strung up the four guitars he was taking on tour he did two and i did two and we did them right then and there and i you know like i know my way around a guitar so i have no issue with popping all six strings off of a floyd rose and yeah. restringing it with six strings and turning and twisting every single screw screw nut and bolt to get it right back into spot without any fret right yeah but that gives some players anxiety, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah. just like, you will only take one string off at a time. You yeah. only, like, dude, yeah, there's some dudes, like, yeah. I had I yeah. had to do that. I had to do that. I had to learn. I had to learn, right? You asked do, do not use this chemical or cleaner. Or, dude, it's, it's, it's different from guy to guy. You know, ask, ask the questions, you know, and then it beats having a shoot And learn show. fast. Yeah. And that's, <laughs> ask the that's questions. Good once and learn yeah. fast and yeah. that way you have room to ask another i always say yeah you know but yeah definitely um well man thank you so much uh that, those are the only questions that i have for you right now hopefully um you have so you have your own podcast yes. that you're also well, doing uh, right now right what's it called the, it's called the mark and hoogie show me and a, a buddy of mine who was in radio back home we started it when this whole pandemic started and it's been been pretty cool we've gotten to interview dudes from like hate breed shine down you know uh we've had uh kikasso who's a shoe artist on there we've had bob terrell amazing tattoo artist legendary uh so yeah it's been pretty cool it's uh we're gonna keep going with it yeah have fun with it oh absolutely absolutely i love it i love all of this um I consider like this whole pandemic thing, right? I consider it like the second coming of Napster for the music industry. It just and, everybody's getting creative in different ways, which is well, pretty cool. We, they have to, dude. Right when yeah. I turned eighteen, Napster hit the internet, and like album sales dipped. It's yeah. like right when I could have toured, every record company just tanked. Yeah, <laughs> like that's that's it. that's what happened, right? And so now. I feel like we're doing this, you know, there's very many artists who are getting very creative. I see bands like Trivium playing video games with their fans. Like the one thing I love, I think with this pandemic is even though it brought us apart, it brought a lot of the fans a lot closer and more intimate yeah. with the, the bands, you know, between no, Patreons and, you know, everyone has yeah. to interact now. It's interact cool. a little bit more. Yeah. yeah it's, it's been pretty cool. cool. It's Definitely. a lot of extra hard work, you know. Everyone's working hard for it, but, but you know what? Like, if it was easy, everybody'd be doing it. Well, that's for sure. You know, you that's know? like any 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 job in the world. If it was easy, anyone would do it. Yeah, for sure. For you sure. got to work for what you got. You know. 
Um, what was the craziest base rig that you had to assemble? Craziest? Yeah, like biggest, like biggest, or more, more, most complex. Either or, it could be tiny <sighs> and complex, or you I know, mean, like, like usually, like usually, like it's it's a it's like a a clean, dirty combo where a lot of dudes don't like their like. For instance, you know, this guy and a couple other dudes that I've worked with. You know, this guy is an Eric from Shinedown. Uh, he doesn't like to affect his clean base tone. Mm, I like this. Uh, so when he wants to add a dirty tone, he kicks on. We actually have a whole another rig, a guitar rig, a Mojo Tone Deacon. So his uh, he uses Ampeg uh, SVT Seven Pro for his clean, and uh, the only pedals we have in front of that is uh, an octave. The uh, bass whammy pedal all right uh, the blue one or whatever it's the yeah 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 the blue one uh he uses that he's got his tuner on his pedal board and uh a wah a boss or sorry a dunlop uh the white wah right yeah. i have yeah, yeah. I, I was using one of them for guitar because uh yeah. it's optical right you just go up to it you yeah. just hit it yeah and he only uses it in like interludes and stuff he uses the octave more for you know some of the songs but yeah the wah doesn't use it See, I'm really, I'm really happy I asked that because I love that. So when, when I started, part as I said before, we started recording here. Part of the reason why I want to do this is to let people know the things that yeah. you have to learn along the way. And one of the things yeah. I learned along the way was the best way to get the most killer bass tone is has is to have two signal lines. Right, one for lows, one for highs, or one for cleans and one for dirties. However, you want to do it, but have two two lines. And like the first Nita Strauss tour I did, I had the Ampeg go to an eight by ten on stage, and I A B'd. I A B'd my my signal. I always use a comp gate, always on bass. A comp gate in the front, yeah. And then I A B'd the signal. I sent one to the axe effects which was my distorted bass tone and then and that was the more high end yeah, yeah. and then the on stage with the cabinet the low end with the ampeg with the tubes getting that that yeah. punch and whenever you and then the sound guy just mixes it yeah and whenever you like you kick on a distortion pedal on the front of a, a, a bass rig it just sucks up that low end right you know you just lose that that whole that tone that you're that growl so add to it. Don't take away from it. You know, add to it. Right. And I do a similar thing for guitar too, where I have, yeah. I'm a psycho with my guitar tone. I always have my bass up like 75% and then my mids and treble just below, um, either in between nine and 12, whatever sounds right for the room. And that seems like super bass heavy, but I throw on a tube screamer and a compressor with that. And that sucks up my low end. And that's why I put that distortion on is literally to suck up and just take that low, the, yeah. the, the punch away from that low end. So it's still kind of there, but it's not all muddy. Right. And that's the same thing with bass too. Like yeah. you, you never want to have too much distortion on the low end. Cause you just, it just gets lost, you know, it yeah. just, you lose it. But yeah. yeah, that's, that's pretty much what we do. And definitely a compressor on the front end. It just makes it uh, a lot more level when you're going back and forth from a pick to a finger. And, you know, not not jumping out and killing your sound guy. 
he doesn't right. have to chase you as much. What what's your preferred bass tone? Is it fingers or picks? It's all it's all for the song. Right. You know? And end of the day, it's it's all for the song. All right. All right. Yeah, because some guys, some guys can. Pl- I, I'm a pick guy. I, I play with yeah. my fingers when I need to round down my tone. Yeah. yeah. Right. And when I need that, that sharpness. Yeah. Um, I was just curious because dude, I grew up with like bass players like Rex Brown. So yeah. there was a, yeah. there was like a specific bass tone. Specific you know? tone. Yeah. Yeah. Jason Newstead, Rex Brown. Like <laughs> that was like the bass for, tone. Working for this dude, he goes he goes back and forth. I'd say it's like forty fingers, sixty pick. But Word. that's good. That's good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He goes back and forth throughout the series show. Uh one of one of my other guests was uh Killian Duarte from Scale yeah. the Summit. Dude, that dude's all fingers. <laughs> like yeah. that dude's all fingers. That dude could just he, I just don't even get it. I that's he does crazy stuff, but he can play with his fingers and make any tone he wants. Anything. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. some dudes can do that. It's crazy. Right. But yeah. Well, thank you so much, man. Yeah. Um thanks for having and, me. And uh, your podcast is called Mark and Hoogie? Yeah, the Mark and Hoogie Show. Check it out, markandhoogieshow.com, wbgear.com. You can check that out. We work with a, a lot of different brands from SIT Strings into Guitar Picks, Mental Case. Uh, you know, there's a whole bunch more there. Best Tronics Pro Audio if you're looking for cables. But uh, check all that out, wbgear.com. There's an inquiry form you can fill out. And uh, yeah. And I suggest everyone at least takes a look at it bec- and, and all those companies because I promise you, I've been so super happy, like forever, you know, as just as a, a hardworking musician, yeah. it's good to, to feel like, I don't know, other people want you to play your music, <laughs> you know, dude, for sure. And it, dude, really the, nice. like you said, like, like the picks, you know, that, that's a pretty cool thing. And they don't have to be just for stage, you know, they can be for, for whatever. Merch product. Yeah. It's merch, merch product, product. you know, yeah. gifts, whatever. Yeah. They're uh, people, people really eat that stuff up. Yeah, because it's fun, right? Like, for years, I use guitar picks as business cards. Yep. You know, how many business cards just wind up still in the pants pocket and go through the wash? You can and still how many use guitar it. picks go right to the nightstand? No, it's true. You know, but yeah, check it out, wbeergrid.com. Anything else? Uh, yeah, the Mark and Hoogie show for the podcast. Thank you so much for taking your time. I, like, you know, you said yeah. you were really busy with the studio, and I appreciate it so very much. So thank you, thank you. and I hope I get to uh, have you on here again. We could talk some yeah. more smack. Anytime, anytime. Hit me up. All right, absolutely. Thank you so much, Hoogie. Thanks, buddy. Be safe. All right. Bye. So that was awesome. Such a great guy, man. I love getting to sit down and chat with him. He's so nice, man. Canadians, they're too nice, eh? They're too they're too nice. nice, eh? <laughs> too nice, eh? Um, Hoogie is definitely responsible for me feeling like an accomplished musician across all of these trials, tribulations, and sacrifices that we do go across in this uh, industry. One of the greatest things that we get to feel is when people give back to us. Most of our job as a musician is to go to a show and perform a live show and give you our heart and soul. And we have to sacrifice so much for that. And so when you find amazing angels such as Hoogie, and all of the people at WB Gear in all of those amazing companies, you know, they give back. And um, when I was on tour with Nita, I was able to get an Ibanez endorsement, right? And we, we kind of talked about this a little bit, but like as you upgrade and as you go 
and go through gear, you really have to love the gear that you play. And when you when you find out what gear you love, then you use that gear. And then there's there's several different ways between social media, booking tours and all this other stuff on how to get attention out there to the world that you're using this gear. And then um, then you can hit up these companies and get these endorsements. Now, if I wasn't doing something such as Anita Strauss tour, I doubt that Ibanez would have hooked me up with um, any bases, but yeah. they did because it was the right move. It just happened to also be the company that I have liked. Um, yeah. One of the things we want to touch on real quick before we close up shop here tonight is short-term endorsements versus long-term endorsements. Yeah. Um, a lot of this episode has been us talking about strings. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's a, a short-term endorsement. You know, your picks and your strings and the little things that um, are easier kind of to get endorsements, but they make a they. The, I mean, if you get a pick endorsement which is really awesome, even though they're not that expensive to get your own picks. If you get a pick endorsement, that's your name on that pick and you can give them to everyone. It's your business card, basically. And did so you that, use a pick for guitar, right? Yeah, I did for do for guitar. Actually, this is my pick box. I've got tons of picks in here. I, um, I think I have a part of, part of oh, my look, it's a Gavin Rostell pick. All right. I got that from Takumi. So, um, <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> there's a great there's a great story inside that uh, uh -huh. interview yeah that, exactly yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love that um I wonder if we're gonna keep that in we'll see we'll see um yeah I, I love that um but not just not just picks and strings but um cable endorsements uh you can get cable endorsements oh god they're so good it's so good and you know, yeah part of my tone is my pick um, one of my friends, that same kid from that noise project I talked about, one of the things that we decided early on was like, you know, when you get a pick, right? And then you play the shit out of it and then you wear it down and it gets all rounded. And now all of a sudden you're like, man, it plays so smooth. It plays so great. And then you lose that pick. And then you have to go and get another pick. And it doesn't sound like that until you wear it all the way down again. Yeah. Yeah, I made funny. an active decision uh -huh. to never use a worn down pick. So as my picks start to wear down, I just, I give it away. I throw it or whatever. I put it in a pile for giveaways. Yeah. I use brand new picks daily. Well, um, that's also a tone thing. Yeah, it's about it's about tone, tone and feel. It, it was also about playability is that yeah, playability. I would be, when I would lose the, when I, Look. when I'd snip the tip, I'd miss the string. So um i just yeah it, it was a lot to do with tone and it was a lot to do with that so short-term endorsements are great such as regular maintenance items cables picks strings um and 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 like tool endorsements right like uh like the big ben's nut sauce and stuff or um you're unfortunately you're not really able to get endorsements for for certain maintenance items such as like tubes um, like you'd have to be like, you know, Eddie Van Halen to get yeah. a tube endorsement yeah. for Christ's sakes. You know, there's certain stuff that you're just not going to get, um, or it's, it's not often to get. Um, uh, and, but then there's the long-term stuff, right? Is as you're going through and you're playing the instruments that you've bought, that you've built up, that you've found, that you love, that you exploit. Then when the situations and the stars line up, you got to know when to strike. 
I was yeah. really, really, I've loved Ibanez as a company my whole life. But as I said, um, I wouldn't have got that deal if it wasn't for the yeah. way things lined up. When I was on tour in 2015, I met Matt from Plan 916. Mm -hmm. um, he's given me the pickups. That whole me wanting to get away from batteries thing, he has single-handedly helped me out and made pickups for every single one of my guitars and helped me sculpt this tone um across all these platforms and but you know like it was he wasn't seymour duncan he was yeah. this this guy that was on a similar level to me and like this is a great time you know it's about to be 2021 uh mm -hmm. it will be 2021 when this airs and the world is digital yeah and the world is boutique and entrepreneurs Gibson isn't the only guitar maker anymore. Neither is Fender, yeah. you know, like Seymour Duncan there isn't the only pickup maker anymore. You know, boss isn't the only and boss and MXR aren't the only people who make pedals. Now there's so many companies and yeah. everybody's starting up. So you can reach out to companies. I'll tell you, um, I, I bought my first mono case. I think I got it. I think I sent an Instagram mm -hmm. direct message mm -hmm. to mono. Uh, mono creators and got a discount on my base because I just, I had something that I was doing. I had these tours and I was, I needed to travel and I was, had to take a Greyhound bus back and forth yeah. to meet up with these double? guys. Did you and, get like double, the double one? Double I, well, I was taking a Greyhound bus back and forth to Pittsburgh, like constantly. I was just like, it was like the equivalent of a red eye. It was dirt cheap. And it was just like, I go to sleep and I wake up and I'm in fucking Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um, but I just like, I sent him a DM, mm -hmm. you know, if you have something going on and you need it and you love it, that's how you approach sponsorships. And so we're going to get a little bit more into that later on. We'll get more in depth into that, but for all aspiring musicians, check out WB gear. They have a great list of those regularly maintenance items that you know, we, we all could use. I know no one's really touring right now, but an Instagram post goes really far nowadays, man. Because you always need new strings. So Always need new picks. strings. <laughs> With the pick endorsement, that was the very first thing. And I've said it over and over again, and I will continue to say it because it was like the, it was like that first mountainous accomplishment for me was having a guitar pick that has my name on it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Having I never I never needed a guitar pick because I don't use guitar picks for my um, I have um, a kind of like an artist artist uh, deal with uh, DR strings. So whenever I do need bass strings, which hardly ever, I just call up my my dude and he sends me some bass strings. And where I live right now, um, they're not there anymore. But DR strings forever yeah. were yeah. made at, at Seven Palisades Avenue yeah, yeah, in yeah. Emerson, think... New Jersey. Yeah, my That's friend across my, my the guys. train tracks from where I'm sitting right now. Yeah, my my guy is in New Jersey. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, they uh they moved, they moved. I don't know where, um, but I used to use in my tonal search. That was one of my things. I used to mix and match strings and stuff. And one yeah. time, I wasn't able to get the strings that I needed at any guitar store in the area, so yeah. I just drove straight to Seven Palisades Avenue, and I knocked on the door and I was like, and they're like, hello. <laughs> not like a real factory it was like a small building it's a it's yeah. a lot smaller of a production than you'd think yeah, and and, and i was just like yeah man I, 
I love your strings. I use your strings. Um, no one has them for sale. Can I buy some here? And the dude brought me in the back and handed me a couple of strings and gave me a tour and then sent me off on my fucking little one. They're that's awesome. Two F-bombs. And that's actually who I, when I go to NAM, that's who I go under is DR. Um, so that's another thing when you want to go to NAM, not that it's going to happen this year, but uh, probably next year. Um, you, you have to have a batch. So these companies who can endorse you and get you in, uh, they give you the badge and, and you're able to go mingle with other companies. And that's another, unfortunately we won't be able to do it this year, but, uh, when you get into going to like, yeah, uh, I guess NAMM's canceled, right? Yeah. NAMM's canceled this year, but, uh, there might be some more festivals coming up in the, in the fall. Usually there are, but guitar festivals are great places to go and you get, you know, they'll give you free t-shirts and stuff and just talk to the people at the booths and tell them what you're up to. And if they, if they feel like communication is key, or, like, yeah. I, I just recently got uh, a Neck Illusions endorsement for the Riddler guitar and uh, some of my other seven strings. I'm going to do something with these basses too. And so, guys, so many of my endorsements start with just like A, know the product, B, use the product, C, if you like the product, send a DM. Mm -hmm. Even yeah. if that person, uh, so with neck illusions, the person who runs their social media is not the person I needed to talk to, to make an order. I just wanted to buy, um, I just wanted to buy these things for my guitar neck. I sent a DM to their social media. Uh, they're like, we don't do this, but here's where you can go. And so I sent that email and this guy was like, oh my God, yes, I'd love to give you some. And then he made these mock-ups for me and I checked them out. I was like, sweet, where do I send the billing information? He's like, oh no, 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 no you are a new neck illusions artist. And I was like, no shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Um, yeah. You could you'd be surprised. I mean, if you have something going on, these, these companies want to get their products in your hand. We all need the same help. Right. And yeah. so many of the companies are people like you and me, mm -hmm. you know, who start things up, look at everything, the periphery and Abasi and everything that they're doing with all of these, these companies, right? Like, They've all started up their own guitars and pedals and amp companies and and, and plugins and get good drums like yeah. another key element is word of mouth um you know you know somebody that that is with that company and they can probably pass if they're there if you have a friend that's endorsed with a company you can and you're doing something and you know that you can also impress that company have them send your information um it sucks sometimes i it, it's really hard like i didn't want to Obviously, Josh and Nita are like this with Ibanez. Because of that, I also didn't want to ask them. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, the reason why I did is because I knew that what I was asking actually was going to make the show better and that they would also think that. Exactly. So again, it's not only just about who you know and what you need, but making sure that all those nexus points line up, that it really is the right decision. Trust me, if it's the right decision, you'll get the gig, you'll get the yeah. deal. If it's yeah. not, if you don't get it, it's because something in there was missing. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and but yeah, you start off small. If you rep small companies, like I had, I got a crank amp endorsement. I like <laughs> won it at this battle of the bands. I got, you know, like I got an endorsement for crank heads. Mm -hmm. I never used them. 
you know, it's not something I sought out. Um, when I got the endorsement, I looked at their products. I tried out a couple of the amps and mm. it wasn't me. And I wanted to love it because dime bag, yeah. right? They had it, they had a dime bag head. Yeah. And, and that's why they endorse artists that are doing things because that's where you go when you when you want to buy something you look at your favorite artists and what they play and and you listen to the mu whatever music that you like and you're trying to emulate or that you want to sound like that's the gear that you go towards so Dimebag was different crank was his first like tubed head right he was a solid state guy and crank made the krankenstein which was like the dime bag head um i'll tell you i hated it yeah i hated it um, I don't love Dimebag for his tone, you know, like he's, that's not why I love him. I love other guitar players for their tone, right? Um, I love Dimebag for everything that he was. And I, to the point where I named my son after him, my son's name is James Daryl Dean, you know, oh. <laughs> um, Rita sent me uh, pics and some other stuff. I just found it. I have a calendar, um, a calendar and a little like a three by five Pantera prep, like promo photo. Um, with some some dime pics that she sent me for my 30th birthday because I named my son Daryl <laughs> Dean awesome. and she was told about it. Um, but yeah, I, I got this endorsement for this thing and it it didn't make sense. So I didn't pursue it. I didn't waste my money on the amp. I didn't yeah. waste my money and time on the post. If you don't feel it, you're not going to do your job. So again, it comes down to you actually liking the product yeah. and putting your own money out to buy something, yeah. right? I reached out to Ibanez for these two BTBs because back in the day, I traded seven seven string guitars for mm -hmm. this one five string bass that is used in a lot of my promos, the one with the typo negative sticker that I used for Michael Graves and all these other basses, uh, all these other gigs for the independents. All my gigs that I like was touring as a bass player, I used this bass. I sacrificed seven seven strings to get this bass. I traded them in with no money. I got ripped off on the deal, but I don't care. I sacrificed to get that thing and then I used the hell out of it. And I loved it and I still have it. Mm -hmm. But it, it I broke the headstock off in a music video. <laughs> Great. Yep. I broke the headstock off in a music video because the strap ripped. Oh my god. Not because the strap pin pulled out because the strap itself ripped uh, well, and i'm not gonna say i'm not gonna say who the company was um <laughs> straps because, are another endorsement that you can have as well um, oh yes I, and it was an endorsement it I was an endorsement an, strap yeah i have an endorsement strap from the guy that made stevie ray vaughn's straps that's uh, awesome christian brooks yeah and there's actually a youtube video you can watch him I pick out everything and make it for them. And the 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 cloth or the fabric that I use for it is the same print that Billy Gibbons used for his straps that the guy made. Uh, but mine was red and his was uh, gold. It's pretty Sweet. cool. So yeah, that, that's um, the yeah. It was a strap endorsement, mm -hmm. and uh, the company used uh, all synthetic materials because they're yeah. a vegan company. Yeah. And that mixed with how I sweat on stage. Yeah, it didn't work, huh? It did not work. Um, it, I ripped right through it. Um, I've known several people who have had no problems. Um, I can tell you that I loved the strap, but the the piece that held it on to the the bass and the guitar it it has to be leather. It yeah. has to be, or it has to be some synthetic shit that isn't gonna rip. 
because mm -hmm. um yeah i i went through four straps yeah um <laughs> in the same exact spot yeah and, then, and the last one was do they make a strap a lock endorsement <laughs> um yeah it, yeah it, well i actually still... you know i changed my strap locks um to these guys this last uh tour uh you know what, my, the like shallers? regular strap locks to these these little the rubber ones because for some reason my strap locks kept coming out of my base and so i yeah uh, no it's not it's not for some reason so what happens is is so i could show you like on this mm -hmm. this usually when you have a regular strap pin your strap is right up against yeah right up against right it mm -hmm. when you put a strap lock on you'll notice when you put a strap lock on mm -hmm. you're moving that away oh yeah totally so now it has more room mm -hmm. on all of my guitars on this horn i move the strap lock to the back now if you look i also have that little fender rubber right yeah so i use these schaller strap locks uh -huh. but they squeak okay so, so on my uh, bases though i use these rubber washers i just found out when i wasn't on tour that with these things squeaking that yeah. if i put that rubber washer in between it doesn't squeak it's super it's super quiet it doesn't squeak nice. but i love these schallers um they were just the first strap blocks that i used i bought my first set of strap blocks and they were schallers and um it took me a long time to realize like how to use them especially with like you know rounded edge guitars and stuff yeah um but i also love them because when I bought them, it said on the made in West Germany. Oh. And I was like, whoa, that hasn't so cool. been around for so long. You know, <laughs> like, and um, so like some of these strap locks that I have, like, I love that about them. I love that yeah. they're like made in this country that doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> um, you know, like it's so I kind of I kind of like that. But yeah, like those little rubber washers mm. on all the, the, the Nita Strauss tours with these BTBs, that's all I use. Yeah, and it's so weird. Amazing. I never thought these would work. And um, it's, they work so good. Yeah, they work so tender. good. Yeah. Um, Dude, I, that guy I, should get a Nobel Peace Prize because really that I mean, it doesn't cost shit. It doesn't cost yeah, shit. And I'll, I promise you, I've used all the strap locks on, on yeah. the planet. Yeah. Those are the most effective. Those are the most cost effective. They, they work the most. Yeah. And they come in two colors. Yep. The, the red, orange, red and blue. Uh, black. Black. Yep. <laughs> I did have to buy two packs of them. That's why I had the red ones available because yeah. I'll only use the black ones. Like, yeah. Live. Um, yeah, I think the orange is kind of annoying, to be honest. Yeah, I, I wonder but, why, but like, yeah, it, it's cool though. Like, um, so yeah, guys, those are like long term versus short term stuff. You just got to make sure that it, things, the, the pieces line up. You know what I mean? Um, know you, the right people. Products that you right love questions. first. You know, how do you find out what you love? Experiment. Go to go to Guitar Center um, if they're if you, with your mask. With your mask, and get one of the dudes to or the girls to come and and, and give you all these different gear and set you up. And no, that's how I know. I, and don't feel embarrassed about asking for the guitar on the top. That's what you're supposed no. to do. Just walk in yeah. and like, I don't care. I want that. I want that. Yeah. yeah. Pretend like you. Uh, I don't care if you just parked the station wagon outside. Pretend like you walked in there owning a Ferrari. Yeah. And then just grab the most expensive guitar on the wall and find out if it's any good. 
Yeah, find out if you like it. Find out if that's your tone. You may not even like that tone. I've grabbed some of the most expensive instruments. Grand. Yeah, I've grabbed some of the most expensive instruments off the wall. You don't like it. And think they suck. Yeah. You know, yeah, there's a reason I, why I I play Ibanez's. I've mm -hmm. I you know I worked at Guitar Center. I I I could play all of those things. I yeah, still I didn't buy a Les Paul. <laughs> you know. Yeah, the way that I chose my heart key is I went in and I went through all the amps that were there and I said, okay, and I needed one. I had to buy one, right? And I said, okay, I want that one. And that's how I ended up with it, you know? Yeah. Like, you go in and you try them out and you figure out what feels good and what's. And don't worry about like people listening to you at guitar if you're afraid to go into guitar center to play like just get over it like nobody cares yeah dude trust <laughs> everybody's me. in there playing yep. something so it doesn't matter just go in there with you're just like confidence. everyone else who walks in that door yeah you just know? go in there and, and enjoy yeah it's, turn it's up like the amp as loud as you want who cares mm -hmm. exactly. you know let uh let let them get everyone get a little excitement in their life exactly yeah Without those Michael J. Foxes of the world, how would we uh, know what the limits of speakers are, you know? Exactly. <laughs> well, awesome. So this was a great show with um, lots of, I mean, we touched on gear. We obviously can go even further in, into gear and in, in this topic, but. We got, we got, we got a lot, a lot of ways to go when it comes to gear. I yeah. just, you know, especially with sitting down with Huggy. Um, I think that a lot of the points that uh, we were able to bring up today were right in line with um, really important avenues that people need to think about because, you know, shortly after picking up your instrument, you need to figure out what kind of gear you need. You just, yeah. you, and uh, oddly enough, WB's Ge B Gears motto is the gear you need. <laughs> the gear. Um, <laughs> and because it's all, it's all regularly maintenance stuff, like uh, not all of it, but a lot of it, you know, like, it's this stuff you need and uh you know you do need strings you don't need a new bass you know there's yeah. you might need a new bass you know but, but more often than not we want these other things and yeah, we need but try changing your bass uh strings and then try changing the pickups uh cut your nails <laughs> honestly <laughs> uh, dude, every single guitar that i buy guitar or bass i change the pickups out of um yeah one of the largest factors between an inexpensive instrument and an expensive instrument one of the major factors is the electronics mm -hmm. um if you switch out the electronics you can usually take a low level or beginner level instrument yeah. and turn it into a mid to high level instrument just with there, a couple of add-ons yeah and there are tons of frankensteins out there that um and i i know a couple of people who have guitars like this they they're just built out of whatever they can build them out of and then as soon as somebody plays it they want that guitar and somebody else plays it and they want that guitar yeah there you go i mean this is an ibanez mm -hmm. with a fender lefty neck on it custom wound pickups from matt and a bunch of my own little customizations like <laughs> this it's this is my frankenstein it's like it's without yeah with having no yeah exactly right with having no knowledge of how Eddie Van Halen built his guitar. I just, I don't know. My dad was a car guy, right? We touched on this in the last episode mm -hmm. and, but it's just, you build what you want. And so like this, yeah. me doing that and, and pulling it apart and changing the pickups, that was, that was huge to me. That that's always been. It made you want to play more. Yeah. It made me want to play more. And the better guys, the better you make yourself sound to you, the more you're going to want to play, yep. you know, some of the best, 
things you can do is just spend like a hundred dollars on a new pedal because it might make you play like I don't know a hundred more hours. It and really at that point, that pedal was only a dollar an hour, and it made you a better player. <laughs> exactly. You know, like. Exactly. So. so. Well, awesome. Holly, you are awesome. This was You're a great awesome, episode. Indeed. Yeah, yeah and a great we're episode. closing out. We're clo- well, we're beginning and we're closing out a year as we're filming, but we're beginning a new one when we. Right. This will. So this is the first episode of 2021 of base cafe with holly and dean so this is uh, our fifth episode and that's a that's a pretty cool milestone our fifth episode yeah, is the I first so. one of 2021 yeah um so yeah it's really awesome followed us so far we've got uh, several people on our youtube now and hopefully people are listening on the on the podcast and everything so we want to thank you all for being here with us and we're looking forward to a, a very busy year Yes, and make sure to check out Holly West uh, at patreon.com slash hollywestmusic and everywhere on Instagram, Facebook, all that jazz.com, right? Uh, yeah. And you can find me on everything else, patreon.com slash deanmusicofficial, insta deanmusicofficial, everything deanmusicofficial. I hope everybody has a smashing 2021. Make sure to check out WB Gear, and we will see all of you guys next week. Bye, guys. <laughs>